Have you ever had those patients that just drive you absolutely insane? You really wish there was a legal way to provide a large metal weight in some form during their therapy. Well, for those interested in therapeutic crushing, this episode's dedicated to you. Welcome to Therapist in Motion podcast, brought to you by Spooner. Welcome back, listeners. Paul here with Dan, and today's special guest is our one and only therapist, Ben Kelto. Hello. Hello. Wow. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great to be here. Great to be here. Hey, we're happy to have you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So today, we're going to go a little bit into body tempering. Ben's got a lot of good eclectic modalities and treatment philosophies he can use. Uh, Some people in our company would understand Ben Eclectic is a great descriptor. That's a very and good descriptor. Yes, uniquely creative. Yeah. So well, we thought we'd bring him in today and pick his brain a little bit about why this modality and what he uses, because he's had some really cool and very beneficial results with it that, that are realistic and probably could be used for some uh, patients that aren't getting results elsewhere. So I want to share a little bit of the knowledge with you listeners today. So Ben, do you want to start out, just give us a little bit of background on what is body tempering and why did you get into it in the first place? Yeah. Um, so body tempering in its like simplest way is just think of big, heavy steel rolls and you're rolling them over somebody's body. And, and really you can almost think of it as like, like if you think foam rolling of like your body on the foam roller, this is kind of the opposite, except there's no give whatsoever. So the pressure per square inch is substantially higher. And so I had been curious about it for quite some time, um, had been mulling it around the back of my head. I'd seen some stuff out there on it and was like, okay, you know, is this, is this a legitimate thing? Is it just kind of the next, like, eh, whatever comes, goes, you know, or is it, or is it something that can really be leveraged, uh, for both therapeutic benefit, but also for therapist longevity? Um, I'm not growing any younger. I mean, first name Benjamin, but last name's not Button. Okay. So we're all getting, yeah, we're, we're all, we're all, you know, we're not, not exactly getting uh, any younger around here. So, you know, I think uh, the uh, therapist longevity standpoint, I mean, let's face it, we all have student loans. We've got to work for the next 40, 50 years to get those taken care of. Uh, But I guess that's probably another podcast. That is definitely another podcast. Yeah. Okay. All right. For those having kind of a hard time visualizing too, you brought in some of the body tempering, body tempering apparatus. Um, looks kind of like a shorter length of a bar that you'd use with weightlifting yeah. or diameter wise. So kind of visualizing that. What are the typical weights you're looking at as far as options there? Yeah. Um, so when you're doing body tempering, usually it's going to be anywhere uh, on the market. You can get something that's about six pounds. And then there's ones that you can actually load up with 10 pound weights and you can get up over like 250 pounds. So, I mean, depending on what your intent and purpose is and what the client needs or patient needs, um, really kind of dictates what you what tool or type of body tempering tool you're looking at doing. Which um, is a great lead-in. So you had a fighter, correct, that you found yeah. needed something that wasn't being achieved elsewhere. So what led you to thinking body tempering? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, so I think, you know, what really got me to pull the trigger on it, so to speak, is I had a few athletes come through the clinic and I had a UFC fighter coming in and he's super high-tone guy, very muscular, right? Really lean. And his primary complaint was just chronic soft tissue tension, just everywhere, just globally. It's like, well, how are you going to needle an entire body? Right? Like in, in, it's like, okay, so 
I've got all of these other tools in my toolbox. I mean, I can scrape them, I can stick them, I can crack them, I, you know, whack it, smack it, nail it on a bing bong, right? Like <laughs> anything, like you, I, I can do anything with this guy, but right, like this isn't his first rodeo. He's been in the UFC for a very long time. He's done it all, seen it all, and nothing has provided relief. He gets a you know, deep tissue massage, says it feels great. 10 minutes later, neurological system resets. He's back to his just high tone rested self. So when he was coming in, I was like, okay, like I, I think this is the point in time where, you know, I, I need to have a tool that appropriately matches the job. And then that's finally was the impetus for me going ahead and getting some body tempering tools in clinic to, to go and help him out. So during show prep, you talked a little bit about the input to the system and the varying levels of sensitivity that patients have where they will sense, you know, the seam in their underwear that's uncomfortable and they're constantly yep. fidgeting, a.k.a. Rafa Nadal, on the tennis court versus this guy who gets punched and grappled with for a living and his input to his system and that threshold for sense is a lot higher than the average individual. Yep. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, the, the different modalities? You know, you kind of mm -hmm. mentioned stick yep. it, crack it. I don't remember what the other one was, but why this specific modality gave him more benefit due to the input into his neurological system. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think about like, okay, for, for me, I'm, I'm definitely that like sort of keep it simple, stupid, right? Like there's, there's a lot of very complicated neuro, neurophysiological phenomenon going on. And for, for me, it's, it's easier to grasp some of these complicated systems and, and, and just distilling it down to like, okay, like what, what really matters? And so like we were talking about earlier, I've had some patients on my schedule that, I mean, literally their level of sensitivity is, I mean, they can see, feel the seams in their underwear. And obviously that sort of patient, a little bit of a sensory input is going to reset their perception of and, and just afferent sensitivity coming from the body, right? Like a little bit goes a long way. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, and I mean, some athletes are like this. I think it kind of depends on the athlete and the individual, but you have to put a lot, a whole lot into their body to be able to begin to reset some of like, okay, uh, some of these, just their neurological tone, just so those, those neurological reflexes, they don't necessarily uh, respond to gentle and light. Usually it's big forces, large area, surface area to provide an adequate stimulus to create a change. And then after that, then following it up with usually some sort of loaded movement, heavy loaded movement to try and reinforce that. Again, too, it's one of those things where, um, I mean, you, 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 you can do the things, but then can you make it stick? I feel like at this point, you know, in my career, like I, I can make anybody feel better for about 24 or 48 hours, but it's like, can I make it stick longer than that? And I think that this is where this has come in and, and been quite beneficial. I like that. So when you're looking at providing body tempering to someone, are you dynamically rowing it over them? Are you statically holding? Are you, what are the different ways to apply the modality? Yeah. So, I mean, if you go on YouTube and Dr. Google and all that, and you start looking at it, there, there really are a lot of different ways that you can apply it. The easiest way is just very slowly rolling over the body. There, there isn't necessarily like a, 
what I would consider a super high level degree of skill or anything like that. And trying to like identify like, well, where do I got to go? What do I got to do? Uh, Cause the reality is like these, these tools are available to the general public. And you know, for the most part, like, you know, if you're doing some tempering on yourself, like you, you can get your own feedback on like, Oh yeah, like that's the spot. But yeah, usually it's going to be a mixture of like static holds anywhere from one to two minutes. Sometimes I'll do a little bit of like oscillation other ways that I've utilized it is like a pin and stretch, tacking down, especially like uh, rolling up on them. This has some knurling in, in the middle of the uh, tempering rod. And so you can, you can really tack down tissue and then make them go through some sort of active range of motion um, or passive range of motion. I mean, it's essentially you do a pin and stretch with it. It just gets a little tricky if you're trying to handle a 44-pound you know, tempering rod and you're trying to move somebody's arm. Um, obviously, number one rule of body tempering, do not drop it on your patient. <laughs> they don't appreciate that. But that's that's generally how I've utilized it. There There is some literature out there. They're kind of, it's not very, like, well represented in the literature, but at least there is some evidence out there slowly coming out on just that it can be a great way to gain some range of motion in the musculature without necessarily inhibiting performance. And it may have some benefit in reducing muscle soreness, which again, yeah, when you look at that, okay, yeah, it can also transiently um, negatively impact uh, physical performance if you're sore, right? Imagine that. So when you're utilizing this, you're always following it up with loaded dynamic movement to assist with reinforcing that new range of motion, correct? D depending on the scenario, right? That's every therapist's favorite answer. Depends. <laughs> depends. 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 I mean, the reality is in at least my UFC fighter uh, type scenario with that, we just really focused on, cause he was already in fight camp. Uh, he was already, you know, cutting weight, all these things in, in that particular scenario, the circumstances were such that he just needed some relief and just needed to feel like he could breathe and move again so that he could go train hard get tight again, come back. And then, you know, we just do the same thing. Uh, cause at that particular point in time, that's what we needed to do. So you mentioned with his previous approaches, he would get basically minutes of relief after yeah. doing body tempering on him, knowing that he was in full train mode, how much relief did it get to his system comparative to the other modalities yeah. that he had tried? Yeah. Uh, about two to three days. Wow which is a lot more than what he was previously getting. Cause again, like he would reset so quickly. And so essentially we would just then in terms of frequency coming to see me, we would just appropriately match that so that we get some overlap between sessions. And then obviously too, it was, you know, he might throw a kick or a punch or something like that and, and you know, kind of undo it all and then, okay. But uh, for the most part, that's, that's about what we were getting. I mean, that's pretty incredible just with the amount of load that was going into his system and taking physics and leverage and utilizing that to your advantage, mm -hmm. man, I really wish I would have paid a lot more attention in physics school when I was in college. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the cool thing, I mean, Ben touched on it, like sometimes you can't just like, oh, let's load a person addition everything you're doing. But while it's nice to be specific, at times just doing the activity you need is going to be a neural programming, reprogramming component. So right. the fact yeah. that you yeah. gave him two or three days of relief and then gave him a chance to do what he needed to do is a pretty big success, especially when you have those athletes that are in a high training time, a high mileage time, a high whatever it is for their sport like that's that's pretty awesome so okay because we've talked a lot about athletes well yes all three of us enjoy treating the athletes let's talk about the application for the non-athlete because i would say the vast majority of our listeners are probably just treating a general orthopedic 
population with their, you know, five to 15% of their caseload is probably on the athletic side. Let's just be honest. That's probably what it is in the vast majority of outpatient clinics. So can you give us a couple examples of when you have utilized this with your general orthopedic patients and contrasting or comparing how much relief they get compared Mm -hmm. to what your USC guy has, has received? Yeah. With that, it can be kind of a mixed bag. Uh, I'll say that. Did you say bag or bag? Bag. Okay. That's what I thought. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Michigan. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I mean, it can be a little bit of a mixed bag, but I would say that uh, with the general ortho population, where it has been beneficial in terms of like, like your, your, your treatment sequencing, usually I'll, I'll do it as more of like a saw uh, form of like deep tissue so say, for instance, we have somebody with like an Achilles tendinopathy, something like that, right? Like we're going to temper the posterior chain, go deep, kind of normalize that muscle tone. Then we can follow it up maybe with some A-stim for some direct uh, manual therapy on the tendon or dry needling or something like that to really get in on the affected tissue. And then obviously then complement that up with some sort of loading or end range type strengthening. And I would say that, you know, it's it's quite useful from a therapist perspective like if you're you know doing some sort of like deep soft tissue on somebody's rear hip and your thumbs are begging for mercy and your shoulders don't really like it when you're throwing your elbow into them and they are substantially larger than you Um, not that I run into that a whole lot but I know that there's a lot of other therapists that are also not me it can be quite quite nice to just use piece of steel and gravity uh, to help you achieve what you're looking for. So really anytime that I'm trying to do some sort of deep ischemic, uh, sustained pressure on somebody to release a muscle and you, you know, you just, you, you throw this in the mix, you save your hands. Um, you still get a great effect. And for the most part, uh, patients, patients do well with it. So well, and it's funny, you mentioned the save your hands thing. And I know earlier this week, Dan, you had a mild aggravation of some stuff that you're kind of treating with forearm hand. I've had surgery on my hand. Like, well, it is a big boon of our, our profession where we have to constantly be aware of what are the things we're putting through our body force-wise when we're imparting on a patient. So stuff like that can be really beneficial and helpful to people. The mm-hmm. question I tend to see a lot is, can I fit this into my day? Right? Like, how much time mm-hmm. do I need for this to be effective? It's one thought of, like, oh, yeah, this is great. It helps. And obviously, I'm sure it depends, particularly go back to your, yeah. your, your C guy and you're looking whole body. I imagine yeah. it took longer time. But how much time do you relatively need for an effective use of the body tempering? A minute or two per muscle group. Like, I mean, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's a, a, a very intense, abrupt <laughs> uh, stimulus. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, so, if you need to get stuff done quick, has a large effect size in a relatively short period of time. So, from, I mean, that's kind of a similar timeline to what traditional people would utilize with foam rolling. You're, they're going to foam roll a muscle for, yep, you know, 30 seconds to two minutes, depending on if they're looking at this as a pre-participation or a cool down. Have you mm-hmm. kind of played with that same thing? If I'm going to yeah. get them ready to go, have you, you know, and they're going to have a really intense workout, I'm going to spend a shorter duration of time to kind of get that system woken up. And then afterwards, maybe spend a little bit longer period of time? Or has that anything you've played with in the clinic yet? I would say I've usually used it mostly prior to therapeutic exercise standpoint. Again, going back to the limited research, it seems like it doesn't negatively affect 
um, muscle force production or power or anything like that. So if I can gain some range, loosen them up, clean up their mobility a little bit, decrease some of their myofascial pain so they can move better, uh, that's, that's generally how I'll do it. I will say that I will occasionally use it to clean up messes at the end, uh, meaning, okay, like if we did you know, a lot of scapular type work and yeah, we did all the cueing and all that sort of stuff, but they still complain of increased upper trap tightness at the end of the workout. Okay. Well, I've got a 19 pound friend for that and uh, we're going to go ahead and, you know, I can take two minutes, right? Like you, you, you can take two minutes. Yeah. I think that that's just a great thing for people to think about is oftentimes I would say again, in the vast majority of orthopedic outpatient clinics, us as therapists, when we do manual therapy, we're probably doing it on the earlier end of of most treatments as opposed to looking at it truly on the tail end but having that ability to help reduce that pain or discomfort that may have come or that increased soreness from a, a, from an appropriately dosed and loaded exercise program which again we've talked about previously on our podcast so if you haven't listened to those I suggest you go back and listen to them that's just a great thing to think about that for a couple minutes post-exercise, I can significantly reduce their soreness and they can leave saying, okay, I, I, I got worked on. I felt great. Mm -hmm. I had a really hard workout, which was awesome. And then I left after getting quickly worked on and it reduced that soreness that I had built up in a healthy way mm -hmm. during my session. So again, I think that that's just good for therapists to kind of think through the flow of their day and how they handle that and how they're prepared to manage when somebody says they're sore and not always having to default back to, you know, IFC or pre-mod or something like that, or ice or heat, that this could be something that can be done relatively quickly, no stress on your hands, still has a component potentially of active involvement from the patient mm -hmm. to help facilitate them leaving with less soreness. Well, and Ben touched on something so important earlier that it's worth circling back to again now is the, he can make anyone feel better 24, 48 hours, right? We all yeah. learn lots of modalities and things. We can all help. There's always the one or two that aren't going to get you know, results you'd want, but for the most part, we can help everyone. But can we make that last? Can we make that duration extend and extend until eventually they can either manage themselves or they're not needing any substantial management. They can go on about their day. So you talk about something that can provide a relatively quick change and potentially give you more time to look at, okay, now how do I make this change maintain? How do I re-educate? What other techniques do I do? That's a pretty awesome win and a pretty awesome tool because there aren't always a lot of things that can be quickly making a good change. All right, now let's move into kind of the next phase of the session where we can try to make this change become a more permanent thing that's going to give you the benefit you want. And that's, that's an awesome win. That's a huge thing to have out of this. Yeah. So for those listeners that are interested, Ben, can you give us a little bit of uh, insight, not too much depth, but a good amount of depth as far as the science behind things and mechanisms, et cetera? Yeah. So again, like, right, like there isn't a ton of research out there, but the reality is, is this is just uh, another form of manual therapy, just delivered in a slightly different way. So a lot of the same proposed mechanisms or, or actual mechanisms that have been documented through like deep tissue massage, manual therapies effleurage, joint mobilization, those same sorts of mechanisms, they're not just exclusive to your hands, right? You can still leverage those same principles and phys physiological principles just utilizing this as a tool. And obviously we do the same things when we're doing utilizing cupping, uh, A-stim, gua sha, whatever. Uh, it's, it's, it's all very similar. So, I mean, with, with 
body tempering anyways, uh, obviously the, your, your, your two main mechanisms uh, that, you're, that you're leveraging to your benefit are going to be uh, a mechanical force and then also a neurophys neurophysiological uh, input. Okay, so with mechanical, uh, you're going to induce both tensile and shear loading. And so, uh, you know, our bodies, they, they always respond to the stress that you put on them. Okay, and so this is just another form of mechanical stress that you can put on the body. And basically, it's going to stimulate your cells to begin producing more of that ground su substance, um, the extracellular matrix. Uh, so it's going to make that a little bit more robust because uh, it's going, hey, I'm getting crushed. I need to get tough. You know, imagine that. And, and so then, too, also understand that, you know, when you start putting shear and pressure, there's this wonderful phenomenon called thixotrophy. 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 Where, where basically, you know, the, the viscosity of a substance changes when you induce pressure onto it. Um, so I think the reverse is easier to comprehend. So, like, I mean, I'm from Michigan, so we jump off bridges into rivers, right? We don't really have any rivers around here. But in any event, you jump from high enough, that water starts to feel hard, right? So the harder you hit it, the harder it gets, okay? There's also a, the inverse of that, where when you put more pressure on something, it slides easier, okay? And so this is basically a tool that you can leverage that same phenomenon where you're putting deep pressure onto the layers of tissue so that you're able to in, induce that and you have better fascial gliding and you basically improve um, the hydration of those tissues underneath it. So that I, I like to think of it as layers of paper stacked on top of each other. And a lot of times, like if you had like even just a little bit of water, it's gonna stick all those sheets together. And, and this is a way that you can help restore that gliding of, of tissues that is so important, especially in terms of like, you know, getting afferent um, information from our body, our fascial system, Right, like if you're stuck down in that, like your body is gonna lie to your brain and be like, hey, you're in space here and you're really not. And that, you know, I think we've all experienced that when we think we're doing something and we look in the mirror, we have somebody video us and we're like, oh crap, like I'm definitely not doing what I thought so. The other way that this is mechanically gonna help uh, somebody, right, like we're all familiar with the idea of trigger points. And, you know, this is just another way of inducing that sort of ischemia um, it's deep ischemic compression, and then when you release, you get that sort of rebound hyperperfusion. You flush the capillary beds. You start to restore that homeostasis, and and muscles start getting oxygen again. So it's it's a again a very uh, uh, abrupt and aggressive way to interrupt that sort of pain and um, metabolic uh, cycle that perpetuates um, that sort of my myofascial pain. From a neurophysiological standpoint, obviously the one that stands out to me, especially if you're doing this for a while, is diffuse noxious inhibitory control. And that's the whole like you fight fire with fire. In my brain, I like to think of it as like, okay, uh, these nerves, they've, they're, they're wound up, they're discharging pain signals to your brain, and this is basically a way to reset that threshold at which those nerves begin signaling to the brain because it's like, oh, you think you hurt now? Let me put a 44-pound piece of steel on you, get that massive pro that proprioceptive input, that mechanical stimulus in there, um, that deep pressure, and it's such an overwhelming stimulus that it's like a control delete. And now all of a sudden, the, the threshold on that nerve stimulus has been reset. 
and then the basically your brain your your brain's perception of pain has has been changed at least transiently right but then you have to reinforce that to 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 get it to carry over and to begin to reprogram right so i think obviously the the, the other ones are your with the with the deep pressure you're definitely going to get stimulation of the muscle spindles, Golgi tendon organs, all of that. And that's obviously going to reduce muscle tension. We've all utilized those same principles before putting deep pressure on a tendon. Guess what? Muscle relaxes. There's, there's nothing new there. It's just here. It's like, okay, well, you're going to use a lot of pressure and guess what? You're going to save your thumbs at the same time. And then two, right? You're going to get a very large tactile input, especially when you start putting in like a uh, fascial shearing on it. Uh, the rods that I utilize, they've got uh, knurling on it, and that very, very much grips the skin. And that's, again, just another way that you can feed a stimulation into the body to help reset its perception of pain and threat perception. I like it. It's always quite fascinating when we know that research out there talks about in the presence of chronic pain, how tolerance to pressure continuously decreases even the absence of new acute injuries and sometimes we forget just simply giving a control delete can be extremely beneficial to the patient and their system and help them have a better successful point to launch for other treatment like you said too the cool thing like it's just an extension of manual therapy a lot of the same principles apply just gives you different weights different forces the ability to not obliterate your thumbs and applying said forces and the ability to apply them across different areas uh, surface areas and we might be able to with our hands which is cool, kind of makes it user-friendly and, and easy, I guess, to try a little bit yourself, as long as you remember rule number one, yeah. always important. But for those that are interested in learning a little bit more, like you said, not a ton of resources, but what do you recommend to go to to learn more, see more about utilizing body tempering with their patients? Yeah, I mean, it seems like the the easiest resource in the world, but good old YouTube, I'm telling you what, you, you uh, look up Donnie Thompson, he's kind of the one credited with originally coming up with this concept, Who's that guy? Well, he's like a world champion, multiple record holder, power lifter. Um, so, you know, I, I always love origin stories and I think it's great that, you know, somebody came up with this concept that doesn't necessarily come from medical background or any of that, but you don't necessarily need that in order to appreciate the benefits of it. So he's he's got a number of good videos out there on YouTube on ideas and ways you can implement it, how he utilizes it uh, for movement prep, recovery, and then just quite frankly, I mean, if you're going to, you can do body tempering on yourself, it, but, but it is a bit, you know, if you're, if you're wrestling a 44 pound right weight, again, don't drop it on yourself. Uh, there's, there's definitely a, a good way to do it. And then there's like, a, okay, don't temper your throat. That's not going to go well sort of thing. Uh, but, but that's probably the easiest way to go about it. Uh, there are a number of specific tools for exactly this purpose. Uh, I know a lot of people, they'll just go in, get some rolled steel uh, from their local industrial wherever and, and make that work. Uh, I've been told by our compliance officer anytime I use the words rig up in my head, I'm not supposed to do it. <laughs> so I highly recommend that you just go ahead and actually get the proper things, uh, pr proper tempering rods. Uh, you can go on Kabuki Strength. Uh, they've got a wide selection. Uh, Chris Duffin has really come up and uh, with, with a lot of really, really great uh, soft tissue self-touch self soft tissue tools and then also uh, Donnie Thompson himself he's got a lot of different tools uh, to help you move better feel better and uh, you know that you can implement as a therapist in a therapeutic type setting 
Awesome. Well, Ben, thank you for joining us, sir. We enjoyed you imparting your knowledge and hopefully giving some people some more, more options out there to help with their patients and save a little bit of their own hands as well. So as always, everyone, if you have any questions or comments, reach out to us at therapistinmotion at spoonerpt.com. And thank you for listening. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. 